Hello, my sisters. It is the When Marriage Hurts podcast again, and my name is Ola Davis. I'm your host. So in this episode, I will be letting you in again into my story, um, talking about how I decided that divorce was right for me. So how did I come to that point where I knew that I knew that I knew that getting a divorce from my husband was the right thing to do. Um, So that's what I'm going to be talking about in this episode and the whole thought process and how I arrived at that conclusion. So um, keep listening and I will be right back after this. Hey sis, welcome to the When Marriage Hurts podcast. I'm your host, Ola Davis. My mission is to help Christian women in painful marriages become aware of the marriage lies our society and religion has programmed our heads with. Are you tired of marriage advice that always blames you for whatever goes wrong in your marriage? Have you attended all the marriage seminars seeking help only to be blamed and shamed for your marriage problems? Has your marriage become the source of your greatest pain? Have you lost hope of being happily married? Are you just hanging in for the sake of your kids? I've been there before. I know what it is like to feel alone in marriage, yet feel trapped by the wedding vows that I made. Together, we will discover scriptural truths that set us free from the pain so that healing can begin. Oh yeah, let's shake some tables. Welcome back. Um, so like I said in the intro, I'm going to be going into uh, my story a little bit on today's episode. I haven't done that um, for a while, um, but I think it would be beneficial for people to know how um, I decided that divorce was right for me. Because um, I know that women usually have that question lingering at the back of their mind, wondering if divorce is something they should consider, especially when religious leaders, church leaders, um, try to make us have this mindset that God never, ever, ever approves of divorce. So I know it's, it's a, it's a very delicate topic, right? Um, so that's why I, I thought it would be helpful to actually talk about this today. And I know that it would also help people that are not even in abusive marriages kind of understand that not everyone that opts to go for a divorce is selfish or giving up on their marriage. Sometimes they're just, um, they're not giving up. They're actually make it, making a decision to live a meaningful life and not die. <laughs> okay, so I will go right into it. Now, it's still going to be an abridged version because it would be kind of very challenging to 
narrate something that happened over the course of a decade, right? So I'm not going to go deep into the abuse that I experienced itself. I'm just going to focus on how I slowly came to the conclusion that divorce was right for me. Um, So my husband and I got married in 2010. And um, I would say that when I started noticing that something was seriously off about him was probably two, three years into the marriage. But I didn't quite see these things as red flags, right? I just saw them as, you know, one-off mistakes, if you could call it that. But after we had been in, we had been married for, I'll say five, six years, it it just grew worse, right? It grew worse um, by the time we had been eight years into the marriage, I knew for a fact that I was being abused at that point. Like, he didn't didn't bother to disguise the abuse like he did in in the earlier years. It just, it got worse over time. So I knew I was being mentally abused. I knew I was being emotionally abused. I, it was that eight years, eight year mark that, I had gotten to the point where I didn't quite see an escape or a way to escape. And I got into a really low point that I had become suicidal because I just didn't think that there was any way out. Essentially, I thought debt was my only way out of this abusive marriage. It, it was that year was a very difficult year for me and a very defining year as well. I believe I I spoke specifically about this in the very first episode of this podcast. So if you're fairly new here, I would recommend that you listen to episode one to kind of get um, background information and context. Um, Because there in that episode, I talked about how I had this almost had a nervous breakdown and I became very suicidal and I had a baby at that time as well that was um, not quite a year old so I would say about the seven year mark not quite eight years yes seven year mark Um, so I highly recommend that you listen to episode one if you've never listened to that before um, so I, I, when I became suicidal and all that, and I could barely even function, I could barely even take care of my own children. When I eventually came out of that, I resolved that I was not going to die. <laughs> and the only thing that gave me hope at that time was the baby I was nursing. My baby was probably eight, nine months old at that time. And I also had a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old. So just the thought of them growing up without a mom and not even knowing who their mom was, like they were never going to (laughs) remember 
you know, if our dad died at that point, they never would have remembered their mother. And knowing that my husband would most likely marry someone else that would be their stepmom. And no matter how wonderful that person is, they probably wouldn't be able to be a good mother to my children because they would be abused by my husband as well. So just that thought of, you know, I shouldn't do this to my kids. That was what kind of drew me out of that deep pit of um, suicide. So when I came out of all that, I kind of um, decided that, you know what, I am going to live my life and I'm going to live my life well. (laughs) And I am going to get out of this marriage no matter what it takes. But I knew it was something I could not do right away because I was not financially stable at the time. I wasn't financially stable and I was also getting ready to move to Canada from Nigeria and all of that was in process. Um, We were still waiting on our immigration visas and my husband was the uh, prince, what they call principal applicant. So it was basically the applicant um, taking his family with him to Canada. So I knew that if I had done anything to end the marriage at that point, not only would I be financially disadvantaged, I would also not be my my ability to move to Canada would have been seriously affected, right? And my husband knew that as well. He knew that he had that power over me. He knew that he had that advantage over me. He knew that he had me where he wanted me to be. And I think that kind of fueled the cruelty and the abuse towards me too, right? Like there's nothing. (laughs) He had me in that state where I was helpless. So I just prayed to God. I was like, you know, God, just give me whatever it takes to not, blow my cover not you know not blow up and um be very impatient just help me to handle whatever comes my way just long enough till I'm able to get out of this situation till I'm able to actually move to Canada get stable financially and just put an end to this marriage so this was something that I really didn't share with anyone at that time, I mean, I might have, I I did share with people that were closest to me that this is what's happening in my marriage, but I didn't, I had not shared with anyone that I was suicidal because I just didn't know that it was safe to do so, sadly. So I kept um, living my life, came out of depression, came out of, you know, stopped having the suicidal thoughts I decided I was going to take care of myself. I started exercising. Um, I started doing things for myself. I started taking care of my myself, essentially. Um, I started setting boundaries, which at that point, I didn't even know much about boundary setting. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have any kind of knowledge. So it was just something that developed 
as a form of survival i would say it was for me it was just a way to survive like i knew that i was either going to set boundaries or i was going to find myself in that deep pit of depression again um looking back now i wouldn't say that i set boundaries appropriately <laughs> cuz i just didn't have the knowledge everything i was doing was done out of i have to leave another day i have to leave another day i need to get through this i can't let this swallow me up so when my husband would um start displaying his bad behavior and he starts getting cruel and all of that i will just say no i am not going to let you treat me that way like i am not going to accept this i am not going to accept that like i became very vocal <laughs> and he had never seen that about me before right so he was kind of taken aback um by that and i think he was kind of amused as well i don't know but i started speaking up for myself um when the kids would need something and he would want to give an excuse of why they can't have it i'm going to tell him no they're your kids and this is what you're going to do for them they're your kids and you're going to be here for them like if the kids were sick and he would always give an excuse of why he couldn't follow us to the clinic or whatever i'll be like no you're going to follow us like it's not a it's it's not an option <laughs> you're their father There's nothing more important than taking care of your young children. Going to church is not more important than taking care of your children when they're sick. Like this were the kind of things that were happening in the marriage where it was very neglectful towards the kids and I think there was a part of me that felt felt like I could stomach the abuse but I could not stomach or watch him being abusive towards our kids like i just couldn't take that <laughs> so i became very vocal i was very strong in setting boundaries i started taking care of myself started exercising i was just anticipating this move to canada that was going to free me like canada essentially became like my promised land you know my marriage was egypt and canada was like my promised land we continued this way for a few months and then the long awaited canadian immigrant visa arrived and i was going i was supposed to go um submit our passports to have them put the visa in and at this point was when my husband sat me down and it was like okay before you even go get this visa before we start buying flight tickets you need to understand this nobody in this family is going to live in canada we're just going to go get those visas fly to canada get our permanent resident card and we're going to fly straight back to nigeria nobody's living in canada everybody stays here you me and the kids and i was like well but i mean i know that you don't have plans to move to canada right now but we had agreed on 
me living there and then you exploring over a couple of years or three years before you finally make the move. And it was like, no, 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 no. And it kind of switched everything on me, right? And it was like, no, I was never interested in this. You dragged me into this and nobody's living in Canada. I'm not, you're not, the kids are not living in Canada. And my sisters, we had been on this whole immigration process. At that point, we had, we had, we had been on it for like three years. So it took a long time. <laughs> and I saw that he was dead serious. I saw that he had all the power. I saw that this guy was just trying to essentially <laughs> everything that I had anchored my hope on. He was just going to shoot it and shatter it to pieces. So at that point, I had to be very wise. I had to be very wise. And I was like, well, okay, I I guess. I mean, but we're still going to get our permanent resident cards, right? It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, but we're going to come back to Nigeria. And if you don't agree on this, we're not even going to get that visa. And we're not even going to get on the plane. So when he made that threat, that if I didn't agree, this was what he was going to do. He wasn't going to let me travel. He wasn't going to let the kids travel. So he was exercising this power and control, right? Like abusers usually would. I had no say in the matter. I had no voice. <laughs> so I was like, okay, all right then. Um, sure, we'll go to Canada. We'll get a permanent resident cards and we'll come back to Nigeria. He was kind of happy about that. I was boiling on the inside, but I God just helped me to kind of keep my anger um to keep it eaten, right? And not have to blow up. So we got the visas, we got a few months after that we got on a plane and we were on our way to Canada. Um, now, I have to tell you that I was so scared. Like, with all the boundaries setting, with everything that I talked about, I was in a state of fear. And people that have never been in abusive marriages don't really understand this. When you tell them that you are practically living in fear in your marriage, they start asking you questions like, well, does he hit you? Does he beat you up? What exactly makes you feel threatened? Emotional and psychological abuse, it, it's, it's very layered. It's very sneaky. And that's what makes it dangerous. When you have the ability to make someone live in fear without you hitting them physically, that's that's a lot more fearful than actually beating someone physically because then you're able to put this terror on them that other people can't see so i was living in so much fear so much so that when i was packing for myself and my kids for the trip to canada i couldn't really pack like someone that had no plans to come back you know, because I, I, I knew that I wasn't going to come back. Like, 
what's going to happen? Like, we're going to get to Canada and he's going to say, time to go back home. And I'm going to say, no, I'm not. Like, what is he going to do at that point? He can't possibly tie me up and throw me in the plane, right? So I knew that I wasn't going to come back. I was just going to play along and pretend as if I would actually come back. So I, I had to pack bags for myself and my kids like we were actually going to return. There were shoes that I had to leave <laughs> without packing just so that I wouldn't set him off and make him think, why do you have to pack all this stuff? We're going to be back in a month or two anyways. So I, I had to be wise about that in packing light and not packing so much stuff so that I don't um, kind of set him off. But I knew that once we got to Canada and we kind of settled and I kind of get a, a stable job, one of the first things I was going to do was divorce my husband. So we got to Canada. We got our permanent resident cards. We never really had that conversation again about it's time to go back to Nigeria because, I don't know, I, I guess after getting here, he kind of had a change of mind, I should say. Not about him staying here. He was still going to go back to Nigeria. He still didn't really have an interest in staying in Canada. But he did want his children to stay in Canada. He did want them to be raised here. He did um, want them to go to school here. And how was that going to be possible if both of us moved back to Nigeria? I mean, our kids were, are still young. So that was something we never had to discuss again after we actually got here. Because I think he started liking the idea of his kids growing up here and going to school here. Later, he went back after about a month or so of landing in Canada. My husband went back to Nigeria. I stayed here with the kids doing whatever odd jobs I could find until I got a job a full-time job with decent pay and you know I was essentially settled right but to my amazement like I I I got a good job I got settled got the kids in daycare um but I wasn't as I I still knew that I intended to divorce my husband but it wasn't something I was actively pursuing right I wasn't finding out information about how to go about with the divorce thing I was just living my life and I guess that was because I thought you know my husband is on another continent like at least he can't hurt me right now I could just focus on living my life and taking care of my kids but to my amazement he was still abusing me <laughs> From across the oceans, like absence was not a barrier to his abuse. He was still pestering me over the phone. He was still exercising control over me. He will still say cruel things to me on chat, in text messages, that after a while I was just, I felt like I was being stalked essentially. It, it, you know, it was like having a stalker that you can't really get rid of because you're married to them. So I just came out straight and I was like, I've had enough of this. Like, I don't have to deal with any of your crap anymore. 
I'm getting a divorce. I'm tired of the emotional and mental abuse that you've subjected me to for years. I've taken as much as I can take. I am getting a divorce. You know, the interesting thing about that, which, I mean, it it wasn't exactly word for word the message that I sent him. But in that message, I mentioned to him that I'm getting a divorce. I can't take this abuse anymore. You've abused me emotionally and mentally over the last few years. Um, So I did use those words. Now, the fact that I was going to divorce him might have come to him as a surprise. But he never asked me any questions like, what do you mean I've abused you? I don't understand what you mean by emotionally and mental abuse. Like, no, he never asked those questions, which tells me that he knew what he was doing the whole time. Because if you think, if you think you've been a good husband and then your wife wakes up one day and says, I'm getting a divorce, I'm tired of the emotional and mental abuse. I think the first question should be, wait, what? Emotional, uh, mental abuse, what abuse? But my husband never had those questions. All he did was he started apologizing. He's, He's like, I'm sorry. I know I've messed up this, that, and the other thing. And immediately that told me that this guy knows exactly what he's doing. Now, I'm not saying that if he had asked questions like, how, what do you mean I've abused you? I've never abused you. That doesn't mean that they don't know what they're doing, right? But the fact that he never asked is a clear indication that he definitely knows um, what he's doing. So he starts apologizing, give me another chance, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't really moved by his apologies Um, But at the same time, I wasn't actively pursuing divorce. See, like that's the thing. If you could um, say that you're tired of being treated by someone in a certain way, but if you don't do something about it, you will keep getting treated that way, essentially. So I never did, I never made any move towards divorce. It was all talk, 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 like, I won't take this anymore. I won't take this anymore. I won't take this anymore. And then the Christmas of that year, he came over to Canada on a visit. He was on his best behavior, right? You know, he would over-apologize like abusers usually do when they're trying to pull you back in. And that's what psychologists call hoovering. They hoover you back in. When they see that they're losing control over you, they're losing their, their, their grip over you, they're going to be on their best behavior. They're going to be, you know, showering so much, quote and unquote, love on you. You know, all those wonderful things that they know to do but decided not to do, they're going to start doing it. And this is what confuses us a lot of times. <laughs> this is what you know, we sometimes misunderstand as, oh, we've changed. Oh, you know, God has really changed his heart. No, his heart hasn't been changed. He just knows that he's losing control over you and he needs to desperately do something to hold on to that control. And the only way they know to do that 
is to be super nice to you, to not only confuse you, but to pull you back in, to give you that false hope of maybe it's not over yet. Maybe we can salvage this. And that was what he was successful in doing with me. And gradually, I stopped thinking about, I I stopped thinking about divorcing my husband. I started thinking, oh, you know, maybe, just maybe there's some hope here. It's going to take us some time, but maybe there's some hope here. Maybe we can really fix this. And he started saying all the right things. Started talking about, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. He started getting involved with the kids, which was something he never did when we were in Nigeria. (laughs) Getting involved with the kids, taking even, like, just being the textbook daddy, essentially. Which just blew my mind. And I thought I was falling in love with this man all over again. Yeah, so it looks like this is where I'm going to stop this episode for this week i think that's a good place to wrap it up for this episode um because if i keep going the episode is going to get really long so i'm gonna stop here and next week you're gonna hear the concluding part of the story and how i shifted from thinking oh this is it my husband's a changed man God has changed his heart to, no, this is not it. I'm getting a divorce and I'm getting it right now. So if you want to know how, (laughs) how I made that shift, what happened for, what had to happen for me to make that shift, then make sure you tune in next week and I'm going to give you the concluding and heavy part of the story. All right. Thank you for listening today. I really appreciate you taking the time every single week to hang out with me. Um, And I'm just going to leave you with these words today. The Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. It is not God's desire for your life to be destroyed because you made marriage vows. I want you to always, always remember that God values your life more than he values your marriage. Have a wonderful week ahead. Has this podcast blessed you? If yes, please head over to Apple Podcasts when marriage hurts and leave a written review for the show. It would be such a blessing to me to know that this show has impacted you in some ways. Also, share this podcast with a friend. Let's spread the word. Lastly, if you would like to be a part of a community of like-minded women of faith who are on a journey to living the best life God has for them despite their marriage challenges, join our Facebook group, When Marriage Hurts. Until next time, remember the words of Jesus. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest.